Cree and Yoo-Hoo folks, welcome to the Cree Yoo-Hoo podcast. I'm your host, Andrew, and it is an honor to serve. Call me Colin. This is uh, Beneath the Surface, written by Heather E. Ash, directed by Peter DeLuise. Let's just quickly look up what Heather E. Ash has written for the Stargate series. I think it was a couple of good ones. Let me just, let me just uh, make some typing noises to create the illusion that I have not done my research and I'm desperately doing it now. She wrote, Learning Curve, Foothold, New Ground, Rite of Passage. And she was the story editor for a shitload of stuff. I see. So, Learning Curve is the one with all the children. That was a great episode. Foothold, the one with the, uh, as Peter DeLuise calls them, the vagina-faced aliens. And New Ground is... Oh, shit, what is New Ground? Yes. Oh, yes, it's that awful, awful episode where the... SG-1 team go to the uh, Judeo-Christian planet with the fundamentalists and get locked in cages. The one, the episode that makes absolutely no sense. So she's got some good ones and she's got some bad ones. Okay, that's Heather E. Ash. Anyway, Beneath the Surface is quite an uh, interesting one. Um, it, uh, it begins with hunky men at night, of course, in a bunk room. And Teal'c without the beard. <laughs> the beard is gone. It made its temporary appearance in season four. But uh, all the network notes came in and the beard had to go and Samantha Carter's hair had to be cut again. <laughs> of course. Appearances are everything, by the way. Um, there's a buzzer and it must be time for work. So um, everybody apparently is all brainwashed walking around in this mine. So if even though they're all brainwashed. If Daniel Jackson is brainwashed, that counts as the 10 points criteria, Daniel Jackson going all dark side. That counts. So, um, whoa. It's a weird situation. And Daniel Jackson and O'Neill get into a fight over something. And then Teal'c's little like, Do you not remember? I am Teal'c. We don't belong here. My God. You gotta tell him, Silent Breed is people. We gotta stop him somehow. <laughs> Spoiler alert, by the way. Um, Daniel Jackson, he's uh, he's doing his mining work with the lunch lady, who's really not into this whole Teal'c former team members thing. And, um, yeah, Teal'c gets thrown in the hole into solitary, or he gets into the 1984 Room 101 deprogramming facility or something. And when he comes out, he doesn't react to O'Neill anymore. And uh, even though Sam has been brainwashed, she is still full of techno babble, and I love that. It's really cute. And uh, this, it's really what this episode is about, is literally beneath the surface of this planet, they're doing their mining. But it's more about how beneath the surface of their personality, like, it's, uh, you can cover up some things, but their core character is going to bubble up from underneath the surface. You can't keep it down forever. You can't overwrite something that deep. And uh, this is a little bit reminiscent of uh, maybe Escape from Alcatraz, where uh, the prison wardens keep trying to beat people down and take away their privileges and destroy them, but there's that flower that this guy carries a flower around and just it symbolizes how you can't destroy the human spirit and all that stuff. So that's what they're tapping into in this episode. Um, and uh, it's very, very clear right away that Jack and Sam have that spark between them. So ten points there, the, the romance is definitely in the episode. Um, it's <laughs> This is maybe the cuddliest, cutest episode between them, because they have no memory of being in the military, of course. 
that romance is allowed to come out from beneath the surface in a weird inversion. In the, even though they've been brainwashed, suddenly they can act more like themselves than ever. <laughs> so, oh, oh, so sad for them. I want them to end up together. God damn it. Anyway, I've never cared about it before, but suddenly on this watch through, I suddenly do. So back on Earth, Gary Jones, five points. He's got the video link all set up to this administrator Calder guy who talks about outside the dome. And, uh, so it's a dome city planet deal. It's very Futurama, the sun. <laughs> um, and this guy is evil because he's talking about the un uninhabitable planet, but he, of course, lives in a skyscraper. <laughs> so we know, we know that there's much more planet outside of the mines down underground. Daniel Jackson is having a dream going through the Stargate with Colonel O'Neill. And, um, I was, uh... No, uh, what else? I wasn't sure who that guy was in the um, the Blizzard video screaming back through to the SGC saying that they had to abandon the search. I thought it was Peter DeLuise doing a director cameo, but it wasn't. It was that other that other sort of guest uh, extra guy, Major Griff. Anyway, Tilk, because he's been programmed, <laughs> he's um. He's walking around, and Daniel says, what's that thing on your forehead? And he says, it is a birthmark. Shut up. <laughs> so Teal'c is masquerading as a human, because at this point, he's been brainwashed into believing that he is just a human. <laughs> so that's ten points. And, um, yeah, Daniel Jackson with the, uh, something's wrong here. So there's a push and swell when he says, no, there's nothing. It's just a dream. So that's one point. And, um... Yeah, they spend some time showing us about life on the top of the world and the discussions between Branner and Administrator Calder and how, like... Yeah, it's kind of weird how they go into that. It's um, more of this 2 plus 2 equals 4 stuff for Stargate. It's kind of weird that they... Um, how do I put this? They show the audience all the answers, but don't show the characters the answers. So, um, I'm not sure exactly if that raises the tension for us or just makes it a little bit tiresome. It's always damn tiresome when you've figured out the mystery and you're patting yourself on the back with <laughs> self-congratulations um, for being such smarty pants and the characters are walking around dumb as mud and they can't figure out and put two and two together so frustrating to just walk through a story slowly. But in this one, I mean, they do kind of get their memories back step by step, and there's some fun stuff along the way. So even though they are sort of doing a regular old 2 plus 2 equals 4 situation, as per the standard for Stargate, um, this one, because they have all the self-discoveries on every step along the way, I think I'm okay with it. But it's it's just a little weird. You know, maybe we could have possibly only learned about the outside world at the same time the characters did, you know? This is very Black Mirror, isn't it? I mean, apart from being a reference to a million other works of science fiction, you know, uh, Metropolis, the whole uh, Eloy, <laughs> flesh-eating Morlocks, um, the, you know, the two worlds above and below, 1984... Uh, program to follow and do your worker stuff and just, just a million bits of uh, 
fiction and futurism and stuff. It's, it's yeah. Anyway, well, well I, I, I will stray very easily into ranting on this one. <laughs> so let's get back to the plot. Um, Branna has been ordered to turn down Carter's genius plan for actually making the city work better and freeing people. And, um, yeah, Colonel O'Neill says, in another life I did this or that. And uh, the cracks are beginning to show in this brain programming thing. It's like, well, isn't it just an expression? Major Griff comes back from the snowy expedition and says, he's a damned liar. No Colonel O'Neill would ever order his team out into that blizzardy mess. Um, yeah. Again, just giving us information that nobody else has, but we the audience has. You know, all the different sides of this story don't have the whole story, but the audience gets it. Little bit strange. Little, little bit strange. Daniel Jackson asks the Sam and Jack about before. You know, I have memories. Were we friends? And, um... Uh, he's asking his lunch lady friend about it. You know, what happened before all of this? I don't remember how I got here, etc., etc. So there's a push and swell point when he says uh, that, and she replies, if you're friends with those two lunatics, you're not my friend. Um, Tilk cranks a handle and for some reason faints. And I'm not sure if I was supposed to understand some plot point that made all of that happen. But anyway, suddenly there's an emergency. And uh, I'm giving it a reference here because this, just this giant steam whistle goes off. And um, it's ten points for an obvious reference to the Flintstones. Not necessarily because um, the Flintstones used a whistle, because of course the Flintstones used a bird. <laughs> Simpson, Homer Simpson, he's the greatest guy in history. From the town of Springfield, he's about to hit a chestnut tree. But uh, but more the fact that the whistle goes on this, like at, at an extraordinary length of time. <laughs> it's unfortunately just exactly a complete homage to the Flintstones. And uh, in the commentary, Peter DeLuise says this exact thing. It's like, we stole that thing from the uh, Flintstones, of course, except they used a bird. Peter DeLuise is so good on commentaries. I could, uh, I could just bottle them and play them on podcasts in my ears and not have to watch the actual episode. <laughs> Anywho, Sam has figured out something, because of course she has. She can prevent an explosion, so SG-1, even though they supposedly don't remember anything about working together, immediately the team is still, you know, gelling and comes together and fixes the problem. They still work as a team. So, um, then the, on, on the strength of that, they get together and start scheming and plotting and trying to jog their memories and stuff, and, um... SG-1, what kind of name is that for a team? All that fun stuff comes in here. Um, and then Sam's... <laughs> Daniel says, I had a dream about the gate, and you were there, and you were there. And Sam says, wait, I had the same dream. I don't do concerts anymore. Come on, let's go. Well, I still think you led a really cool life. It was nice meeting you. I guess Jim was wrong. 
Hey, my pal. Was it Jim Morrison? Yes! Amazing. Did he have a naked Indian? Yes! Wow. I have to ask you. Didn't you think it was a trifle unnecessary to see the crack in the Indian's bottom? Yes, absolutely. I had the same dream. And uh, there's more of Jack O'Neill's lines, like, for crying out loud, and it just jogs the memories more and more. And there's a um, push and swell point when somebody says, we'll meet after lights out. But uh, unfortunately, the lunch lady is onto them. I'm, I'm sure she has a name, I just didn't learn it. <laughs> Let's just call her Lunch Lady Doris. Lunch Lady Doris, have you got any grease? Yes, yes we do. Then grease me up, woman! Okie dokie. Um, and they figure out that our memories have been altered, therefore we have to question everything, and it's just references. I've already maxed out the reference points on the Flintstones thing, but the, this, this is just like Matrix right now, you know, the world, it's the world that's been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. What truth? That you are a slave, Neo, boarded to a prison that you cannot taste or touch. The prison for your mind. Um, I wonder how much of the movie The Matrix I can quote from memory, <laughs> just as an exercise. What's the first line? It's the phone call, isn't it? It's me. You're not supposed to relieve me. I know, but I felt like taking a shift. You like watching him, don't you? Don't be silly. You know, we're gonna kill him. You know that, right? Morpheus believes he is the one. Uh, do you? Yeah, and I lose it there. Did you hear that? No, what was I have to go. <laughs> oh shit. Lieutenant, I gave you specific orders. It's just one little girl. The orders were for your protection. Oh my god, I could actually go on and it's kind of funny to to, to do this. You know, I as here I am on a complete tangent right now. Let's just have an actual tangent. Bing tangent theme music. Um, I used to do this thing for my friends. This was quite a while back when uh, I guess I had a lot more free time. <laughs> there were certain episodes of The Simpsons that uh, we used to watch together on like VHS tapes in high school. And uh, they were so deeply programmed into our brain that um, what we would then do when we had the technology on our laptop, and you know, this is clearly after the days of the actual VHS, but we would play the video and do a recording of us doing all of the voices and trying to remember every single one of the lines and every single one of the, the you know, the timings on every sound effect and everything. <laughs> <laughs> and right now I'm just thinking, you know what? If I was watching The Matrix on mute and providing all of the sound and the dialogue, <laughs> I could probably do it. I think I could do it. If I had that the visual cue, I could definitely do that. Maybe I'll do that one day. Or maybe I'll do Stargate just to keep it relevant. <laughs> Anywho, where do we get to? On my notes, uh, more of the cracks appearing when Carter automatically says, I don't think so, sir. Why did I call you sir? <laughs> Um, Peter DeLuise, he's very good at doing fake-outs. I thought it was him walking down the ramp, um, of the Stargate, while Hammond is upstairs watching him through the glass. You know, Hammond does a lot of this, looking through the glass, being very contemplative. 
<laughs> anyway, the doctor walks in and talks to him and says the search name is going to be fine, so that means one point there. And Hammond is talking back to Janet because they're the only two <laughs> speaking roles that are left on the planet so they have to have a conversation and Hammond is really trying to push for some outcomes so he's ordered a covert search and rescue and Janet volunteers and isn't that so nice and uh, come to think of it does that even matter? wait a second I actually watched this episode like a few days ago and you know I took notes and everything but Am I missing this? Did that search party that Hammond orders, the covert search and rescue mission that Janet volunteered for, did that even happen? And if it happened, that they didn't need it. They broke out on their own, because Tilk remembered. And everybody got their memory jogged. So why was that in the script? <laughs> okay, okay, dead end for Stargate there. Alright, never mind. It's red herring. Um... So, meanwhile, in the lunchroom, Colonel O'Neill has the uh, memory triggered by a white bowl for some reason. And I thought this was going to link into the the bald man, <laughs> you, with the crown of marble. <laughs> I remember a man in short sleeves shirt <laughs> with a dome head. <laughs> That's a very unkind thing to say. Uh, but anyway, the doctor lady, Brenner, stops anybody from seeing Tilk's abdomen. Apparently... <laughs> Even teal. I mean, does he have a wash? You ever take off that rag that covers up his symbiote pouch that's going to jog his memory in the end? Um, Tilk is having... He, he's having a fever dream, and he's going to die, so I gave it a push-and-swell point. But I didn't! I crossed it out, because um, it's the classic Jafar thing from the episode The Knox. He deceives you. He is awake even now. It's a classic... Teal pretending to be asleep and then opening one eye and giving it the, the squinty, <laughs> sneaky, I was secretly awake the whole time, side eye. And then he's going to bust out of there, of course. Go, Teal. Um, and then, of course, of course, of course, of course, O'Neill gives the, the Simpsons reference for 50 points. I remember a man, bald, short sleeve shirt. He's very important to me. I think his name is... Homer. <laughs> oh, yes. I love it. I love it. And then Jack and Sam, they have that scene. It's a few minutes long. They're just sitting in the corner, squatting on the floor, and they just snuggle into each other. And, oh, my God, I'm melting. <laughs> They're snuggling. They're just, you just want to give them a blanket. <laughs> <laughs> it's so sweet. And um, Jack remembers feeling feelings for Tor. <laughs> no, for Samantha. I mean, <laughs> what's her name? Kira? Yeah. Anyway, Administrator Bad Guy up in Bad Guy Land in the skyscraper wants to make an example and kill him. Whatever. And uh, the bowl, O'Neill finally cracks the thing. It's the dome, and he has a memory of the administrator upstairs eating kiwi fruit. Now, I understand that uh, you Americans, should there be any listening, call it kiwi? Well, okay, you can do that, I guess, because you friggin' Americans do everything wrong and backwards. <laughs> I mean, get with the metric system, please, guys. Um, 
But uh, here in everywhere else in the world land, they're called kiwi fruit. If you said a kiwi, you would be probably referring to a person from New Zealand. I refer to myself as a kiwi. I don't say I am a New Zealander. I say I'm a kiwi. You know, that's what kiwi means. So anyway, Edmund Guy is eating kiwi fruit because clearly they are the most alien fruit of all. <laughs> I don't know. There's some spiky Southeast Asian purple dragon fruit things that are pretty alien. That'd be cool. But anyway, um, well, O'Neill is like, I found your little slave labor force underground, buddy. What are you going to do about it? Oh, shit, I'm locked in the slave labor force underground. <laughs> um, and they're called into... The whole team's called into Brenner's quarters for uh, disciplining. And uh, but to actually, she's decided to come clean. She can't, she can't live with herself, with the lies. But unfortunately, before she can free them and set everybody up for the happy ending, the administrator walks in and shoots her in the arm. Uh-oh, but then the team very easily overpowers them. <laughs> Remarkably easy how quickly they turned that situation around. Um, yeah, and Teal'c, of course, does the, is almost like a, a supernatural ghost entrance, like, suddenly I'm popping up behind you. <laughs> Surprise! Bangs! And then Colonel O'Neill, very easy to get a gun off somebody when, once you know how, and they go down and tell the masses the truth, and the lunch lady doesn't believe them, and at this point, it's still like, she's had such a bad attitude to, towards them and towards Daniel, this entire episode, I was thinking at the very end when she's saying, no, it's all lies, don't listen, don't listen, that is she a plant? Is she like, she knows the truth, but she's been sent down there into the mines to like keep everybody in line and be a spy? But no, she's just got a real bad attitude about everything. <laughs> and uh, it turns out she was just as surprised as anybody else when the roof gets shot out and the sunlight comes in and all the glass comes down and <laughs> kills everybody. <laughs> So I gave it one more point here at the end because of the feelings. Sam and Jack face each other with the memory of both now their full Air Force life and the restrictions, but also the feelings. And it's back to Colonel, Major, Sir, Sir, let's go home. Yes, Sir. Now, in the end, I was right, but there was a Peter DeLuise cameo for five more points. It just wasn't in any of the places I thought it was. He was one of the guys who was asleep in the bunks, and I had to watch the audio commentary to get that. And, um, yeah, yeah, I, I, what else was in the audio commentary? Oh, yes, Peter DeLuise loves his obligatory scenes, and uh, <laughs> it's really funny. He He's just so damn funny in his commentaries, and you learn a lot about humor and a lot about filmmaking. And uh, he was saying, this is the obligatory standing in line to get a bucket of slop at the breakfast queue scene. And of course, it's got to be slop, and then you've got to start a fight in the, in the lunch line. <laughs> Very funny stuff. So, total of 105 points. Hot damn. Um, that was fun. It's very unusual, um, very unusual, because <laughs> the characters weren't themselves the whole time, and yeah, very much like a Black Mirror episode or something, so that was fun. Join me next time for Point of No Return, and it's one of those ambiguous titles, but um, I looked it up, 
and remembered, of course, oh, it's about Martin! Martin, the guy who is the conspiracy theorist who goes on to feature very heavily in Wormhole Extreme and everything. Let's move straight on to that one. Thanks, guys. See you next time.